Hello and welcome to Two Beers Still Takeoff. My name is Phil and this week we are throwing it back to the episode that started it all. Two Beers Still Takeoff was born during the pandemic due to boredom, due to a bit of drinking and not being able to travel. Sid and I had no idea what we were doing at that point and before pressing record for the first time, I can just remember being so nervous like a deer in the headlights. Crazy to think that the day we posted the episode was March 21st, 2021. Wow. Which feels like a lifetime ago. Since then, 30 episodes have gone by, we've had a few hosting, hosting changes, and the podcast won an award for the Guardian's Best New Podcast 2021. A reminder that if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by visiting Patreon. Link to that page is on the link tree in our bio or by giving a five-star rating and leaving a comment wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm looking forward to this month's awesome upcoming episodes, including a Christmas episode with a special guest, so make sure not to miss that one. Now, let's get to one of my all-time favorite stories. Here is Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Tooth Remastered. Heading out of town now on the bus, and then you can hear it completely unmistakable. Bang! Bang! Wait, were they shooting at you? What's up, nomads? Welcome to your new favorite travel podcast, Two Beers Till Takeoff, the podcast that delivers expert knowledge, the information you won't get in your guidebook, and a story that's guaranteed to make you say what the fuck or your money back. Sid, you know our episodes are free, right? Sri Lanka. Most people haven't heard about this place. First of all, it's it's a place that has two consonants that start in the name. That's that's quite odd. <laughs> Why did you want to go to Sri Lanka? I was planning a big trip around uh, around Southeast Asia, and India has always been sort of top of my one of the top places to go on my bucket list. And for the purpose of not missing out a place on purpose, we're like, right, so we we'll go to all the generic. Well, you know, the, the region of Southeast Asia, you know, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, you know, we're going to go to India first because, fuck, man, I'm never going to go to this part of the world without going to India. Like, it's really somewhere I want to go. Ah, oh, Sri Lanka's so geographically close. Why would we miss out? You know, so it was kind of like it, it, it ended up on the itinerary just because it was close to India and we thought we could get there via, like, a cargo ship from the southeast of India across to one of the port towns in northern Sri Lanka, like how they used to transport the uh, the spices Sri Lanka is kind of a mysterious place because I feel like not a lot of people know about it. It's a small, you know, island. It's shaped, it's shaped like a teardrop as well. A teardrop tattoo, like all those SoundCloud rappers. <laughs> That's it, yeah, all those old gang members you see coming out of the prisons, they've got Sri Lanka tattoos, not teardrops. <laughs> exactly. But so can you kind of can you kind of give give the listeners a, for those who don't know, can you give them a bit more information about Sri Lanka? There are a lot of comparisons to be drawn between Sri Lanka and India. What I really loved about Sri Lanka was that it kind of delivered on all the areas that I was hoping to get from India that we didn't get in that trip. You know, Sri Lanka has a really good nightlife, which is maybe not the the highlight of many other people's trips to Sri Lanka. You know, I can't imagine there's a lot of people being like, oh, fuck, I really love it. You know, and we had some cracking nights out there. It was good quality beer. The locals are up for a good time. They like to drink a lot. They like to party. Like that's one thing. Okay, but I mean, other than that, it was it was better organized than other countries in that in that area. I found it was easier to to navigate to an extent. The the food was very. It was still spicy. It was still very in in theme with the food from that region. But it wasn't unedible for 
for kind of Western tourists. Like you imagine like to have chilies for breakfast, for example, is something that sounds, you're a bit like, fuck man, I just want some scrambled eggs and a bit of bacon sometimes. <laughs> like, and, you know, in, in other parts of Asia, I, I have kind of felt like that. In Sri Lanka, I kind of feel like, no, you know, the chili suits this dish. This works well. The scrambled eggs, the bacon and the chili. Yeah, it works well. Oh, really? They throw like chilies on like bacon and eggs? But I, I don't actually remember having bacon and eggs, so that was more just a, <laughs> a turn of phrase. But, you know, like they will put chilies in everything. I, I'd say as well, it's a, it, it's a very welcoming country because it's a country that's had a lot of issues over the last couple of decades. You know, big civil war, a lot of uh, religious issues and things like this, a lot of political, social issues. That People are very welcoming there. You know, it, it was one of the first places I've ever been to. We're being like... A very white-looking Western guy. People would be wanting to take photos with me. Was that because they don't get a lot of tourism? Like it's not like a generic place to go. Yeah, exactly. Because being over there and looking the way I was traveling with a guy called Rich, which will I'll introduce him a little bit better later. You know, us two guys, like we 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 were like a novelty over there. You know, we'd go somewhere, somebody would want to take a photo with us, and then you know, people, would be like, oh Jesus, they've got tourism, right? And then suddenly you have like a queue of people waiting to take photos with you. So what you're saying is, anyone with a low self-esteem go to Sri Lanka, you'll feel a lot better. Exactly, you'll feel like a celebrity. Yeah, yeah if you ever wanted to feel like Kim Kardashian for the day, that's where you want to be. <laughs> But no, I think for 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 this, you know, the the, the locals were very friendly. Very, like you could you could walk across. There's a large grassed area in front of the beach in Colombo. You know, and locals would go and invite you to go and play a game of cricket with them over there. You know, you'd be be throwing the ball, catching the ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm no fucking good at cricket, but I run around catch a ball. It was it's good fun. Most people don't even know what cricket is. They think it's an insect. <laughs> ah, you're just assuming the bulk of our listeners aren't from Sri Lanka now. <laughs> But yeah, we were playing this game based around insects, you know, and it wasn't, it didn't even just finish there. Like, do you know what a tuk-tuk is? Yeah, of course. But for people that don't know, it's like a rickshaw. Well, for us, a rickshaw is like a bicycle. A tuk-tuk is, it's like a moped or a motorbike kitted out, you know, like a, to become a tricycle. So it's got an engine, but it's one wheel on the front, easy drive. We we got one home from the bar one night, and obviously when I say bar, I mean like fuck. We I, I've been drinking. Yeah, I said to the guy like, ah, oh, look, I'll give you an extra fiver if you let me drive it home. <laughs> and the guy let me drive it. Could you imagine trying to do that in like London or Toronto or New York to the taxi driver or however you get home? Yeah, fiver and you let me drive it. And the guy was like, yeah, that's, those are the things. Oh, those are the those are the controls. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> You're wild, man. <laughs> But I mean, I, I guess to summarize, like we we didn't know a lot about Sri Lanka when we got there. We knew they were a recently opened up country to the tourist to the tourist world to tourism as a way to boost the economy. We knew about Colombo as the as the capital. We knew elephants were a big thing there. You know, they've got a lot of elephants. Elephant orphanage, right? The elephants pet the elephants, play with the elephants, stroke the elephants. You know, didn't know a lot more about that in, in, until after we'd already booked it. Um, Top five. So today's top five is going to be a top five of things to do in Sri Lanka. Number five, we go in the Temple of the Tooth. What? I like it because it's a slightly un, it's a slightly ungeneric reason for a temple. It, it, it's exactly that. It's a temple built for the sake of guarding a tooth. Is it like a dentist sanctuary? Yeah, man. You can go in and get the plaque taken off in the queue and things like that. It was a. <laughs> 
Sponsored by Listerine. Get a braces readjusted. Yeah, in place. Pearly whites. So what's so good about the Temple of the Tooth? It's like a, it, it's a fascinating old building. It's, what, it's one of many UNESCO World Heritage Sites now. And it was, the, the city that it's based in was the last city of the Sri Lankan monarchy. And it was basically whoever was the owner of this tooth, or what's known as the relic of the tooth, was the, was the leader of the country. That's like some Indiana Jones shit. Yeah. <laughs> Man, fucking when we were in the queue for it, we see Harrison Ford at the front welcoming people in. Oh, really? Yeah, hitting them with a whip. <laughs> but, no, so it's... It, it's like, but the thing is, these days you can't actually see the tooth, which is why it's ranked down at number. There seems to be some confusion about what you can actually see. The relic of the tooth is inside of a golden casket, which is inside a room which only gets opened three times a day. And you may or may not get in, depending on the length of the queue. So to get in, to see a box holding the relic of a tooth. That's wild. When me and Ricky saw the queue, yeah, when me and Ricky saw the queue was going back about two miles, like it was nearly leading to a different city. The queue was so long. We were like, no, we'll go in and we'll walk around the temple grounds and we'll see like the palace of Candy and Candy being the name of the city, not that it was made out of like fucking Snickers and Twixes. <laughs> no free ads. So number four, we're going Unawatuna Beach. There's a lot of beaches in Trianca. I can't imagine anyone's even tried to explore them all. There's just not not enough time in life to uh, to get this done. But the best one I saw was Unawatuna. It's, it's kind of wild, you know, there's like palm trees coming out from the middle of the sand coconuts lying around everywhere. But at the same time, it's not completely untouched. You can come out of the ocean and go straight into a bar. There's there's a few places to eat and drink around there. You got restaurants with it. So from the sounds of it, it's not a deserted beach, but you still have space to, you know, play catch or something. Yeah, man, you could play anything you want down there. It's, it, it's a beautiful beach with the balance of of tourism. You know, it's nice that the bars, the restaurants down there, they got these little plastic tables and chairs. You can sit right on the sand, eat your dinner, drink a pint, drink a cocktail, and, and jump back in the ocean. Lovely, lovely temperature of the water. It's like a like swimming in a bath, you know. I like that. I'm sold. <laughs> I mean, it, it was probably the, the tourist, the most touristy place we went there. Like there were other expats around. You you did bump into other English people. We did hear people speaking English or you know European languages for the first time since we'd got to Sri Lanka. It, it had a kind of hippie vibe to it a little bit as well, but it didn't take away from the points that we enjoyed about it. Number three, Dahiwala Zoo. This is like a, an ecologically responsible zoo. Uh, sustainable product they deliver because they've kept the natural landscape and kind of built the enclosures into it. So okay, it's a zoo. You go, oh, how good can a zoo be? But Sri Lanka has a lot of unique wildlife and it's a, you know, as it's an island in the middle of the ocean, it's also got a unique landscape and they've managed to combine the two, put them in cages and make it easily accessible, but still interesting for, for people to go and see. So the cages, is it kind of built into the landscape? Yeah, they haven't, they haven't bulldozed anything. They've literally just fenced off and around it to fit the animals in without limiting their space too much and without doing any changes to the to, to the natural land that they have. It's like uh, fencing off the Serengeti. Sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. I mean, they, 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 <laughs> they still do like sea lion shows and performances with the elephants and you can watch the monkeys do tricks. Okay, that's how they get the people in. But as a whole, the, the animals are left to wander around their natural habitat uh, and be themselves and they aren't that bothered. So it's a, it's a cool place, you know. They've got lions, elephants, bears, everything down there. Number two, we're going Selima Malakia. 100% I slaughtered how that... Is that how you say it? 100% I slaughtered how that was supposed to be said. 
But we're sticking with it. Stick the landing. These, these are a, a series of temples. I mean, I, I've been to a, a fair amount of temples in my time, so I feel like I know what I'm talking about here. It's not that each one is spectacular, but they're all built on the same lake in Colombo. So basically what happens is the usual temple routine. You go up to the temple, shoes off, look around, shoes on. But rather than that be the end of your temple experience, no, you follow these little wooden bridges around the lake. Honestly, little one, two foot wooden bridges, tiny they are. And you just follow them around to the next temple and you just walk around seeing these different temples all, all whilst walking on this small wooden pathway that they've built on top of the lake. So from the sounds of it, just from five being a temple and three being a temple, or two, two sorry, being a temple, how do they kind of differ? Well, I suppose you would say five is like a, is, is a massive complex. It's the, it's the temple plus the other buildings around it, plus the palace of the former monarchy. Selima Malakia, I said it better that time, I think. Maybe, I don't know, we'll check. It, 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 they're tiny little temples. The, the the main thing is that you're just enjoying the kind of environment around them and the walkway and the, the tranquilness of it. I suppose for us, because in and amongst trying to watch World Cup games and do our usual nightly activities that we, we like to try and do everywhere we go, it was quite hectic and quite intoxicating. So it was very good to uh, kind of take a break and get this other side of things experience. There's no stress, no hassle. Everything's very slow paced life over by these, by these temples. You know, people are just wandering around. They want to look at the fish in the lake. They want to look at the little statues of, of Buddha. They, you know, it's, it's calm down there. What you've all been waiting for. Number one. Never a doubt in my mind for this one. Elephants. You know, it's uh, you can go to the elephant orphanage, pet the elephants, play with the elephants, stroke the elephants. It's elephant mad over there, you know. And I have to say to you, fuck going to the orphanages. I don't know why people are so big on that. No, we, when we got there, we met this guy in a, in a tuk-tuk and he was like, oh, yeah, you want to, uh, you know, we said to him, oh, we want to see the elephants. He's like, no, you don't want to see the elephants, you want to ride the elephants. Like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, we want to ride the elephants, you're right. So we got in his tuk-tuk and he pulled up to this field. A couple guys approached us, giant bamboo sticks, little pointy objects on the end, uh, kind of like a spear, I guess, you know, they were using them to try and kind of manipulate the elephant's movements, try and keep control of them. And uh, mahouts, they were called. That was their job type. They were, they were mahouts, people that look after elephants. And so we, uh, we agreed with them a price and they give us this half a coconut each, me and Ricky. And they were like, yeah, okay, go wash the elephant. And the, uh, there was this giant elephant, yeah, just standing in the middle of this dirty lake. And he was like, yeah, just walk up to it and wash it. It's fine. Jesus, okay. Um, I mean, I wasn't really expecting to do this today, but okay. So we're scrubbing away on this elephant and he was like, okay, very good, very good. Elephant clean now. So you're working for this guy. Yeah, we were, we were, we were cleaning <laughs> his livestock. Still waiting for my pay packet on that one. And uh, yeah, so the Bahoo comes in with his spear, gets the elephant out of this dirty pond that we'd been standing in. Already we're absolutely stinking from in, being in this pond. I don't know what this smell, what was in this pond. Could be anything. You couldn't see the bottom of it. It was brown. So we climb on this elephant and, you know, this is a budget operation. This is not legit. There was no, there's no way this was an official company or anything. I'm not even sure it was legal to ride an elephant. This was a guy and his friend that had a couple of elephants, access to a pond and a small area of land. They had a dream, man, and they realized that dream. This is the famous Sri dream. The famous <laughs> Sri Lankan dream the generations have been working towards. <laughs> so, anyway, budget operation. There's no saddle. We're riding this elephant bareback. Is that is that, that picture you sent me where you had a Chicago Bears jersey on? <laughs> yeah, man, I had my... Yeah, I was the only guy in the, in the field with a Bears jersey on that day. <laughs> You're probably the only guy in the whole yeah. continent of Asia with a Chicago Bears jersey. 
Oh, especially during the Cutler era, Jesus. So we get on this bareback elephant. Right, and I tell you, if the pond smelt bad, the elephant actually smelt worse after we cleaned it in the pond. The shorts that I had on that day, I had to wash them four or five times just to get the stink out. It was awful. But there we were, man, rocking around. We'd going up this mud dirt track through this field. No signposts, nothing around us, no idea where we are or what we're going. The mahout's kind of around, not really that bothered. But this is cool, man. It's not like being on a camel. It's not difficult on a... Uh on the ascent and the descent. It's not like being on a horse. It's not just going to sprint off. It's not like trying to ride a goat. It's got the strength to carry you. Like, this was great. Just just walking around this field on an elephant. I felt like a real modern-day Aladdin. So, were you, like, on a harness? No, man. The, the elephant had a thing strapped uh, across his front legs and, I guess, part of his neck that you could hang on to. I had that, and Ricky just had to kind of, like, hang on to me. But there was no, there was no safety precautions or anything. Hospital nearby, though. Look, the tuk-tuk guy that was clearly on commission was probably still waiting outside. So yeah, we could have got him to take us somewhere. <laughs> so we just went over the top five best thing best things to do in Sri Lanka. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's take a look at some of the things that you maybe didn't like. Okay, yeah. So I mentioned that like they they are quite organized, but at the same time, they're really not efficient. Like if you're going to catch a bus or a train, you can wait a couple of hours. Like okay, things are well thought out, but they're not necessarily well executed. And at the same time, the place is a little bit hectic. You know, you can get caught in in the markets, in the street stalls, and end up wandering down the wrong road and getting caught in the hustle and bustle. And suddenly, you don't know where you are. It's, I mean, there are pleasures to be had in that, but it makes it difficult to organize or plan your own trip in the way that you can maybe miss a bus or something and lose a day. Or... Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, especially because for a lot of Western tourists, when you get to Sri Lanka, you only get a short visa, and your trip might not even be as long as that visa because you've already had to book your flight out. You've already had to plan your exit before you've got there. You've not got a lot of time to play with to go and see all the things you want to see. So this kind of concept that you can get really distracted can cause such a problem. I mean, a, a few other things I didn't really like that kind of link into this, I guess. They weren't, I mean, maybe they were still one step up from India, but it's not the most hygienic place to be. There's not a lot of uh, sanitary facilities. You could, uh, for example, describe the, the train travel as not exactly luxurious. No, why not? I, I, no, I mean, you'd be lucky if you had space to sit on your friend's lap, let alone to sit in your own seat. <laughs> So, so like laps lap service is like is like a class <laughs> they they love to spit as well there's really a big thing about spitting there i i i, a lot I of chewing tobacco or i think it's uh, i think it's beetle nuts mostly not the yeah not the worst culprits for beetle nuts but there was a lot of spitting and a lot of weird things coming out of people's mouths weird colored spit yeah, so I don't know if it was always beat or not, but as a whole, Sri Lankan seemed really, really happy to spit on the floor. Like one guy might spit and fucking high five his buddy because he was so pleased he did it. So beetle nut is a nut that people chew in some parts of Asia. For those who don't know, its effects can be euphoric, uh, raises your blood pressure, raises your heart rate, makes you feel more more alert. Kind of sounds like a little bit like an more intense caffeine that people chew. It's like what you get if Pablo Escobar doesn't work in your neighborhood. <laughs> but yeah, and I, at least you, I, I never tried it. It's not really my style. I don't think it was the only thing they were spitting. I've definitely seen countries that, that consume a lot more of these nuts. But there, there were spitting. There were spitting of nuts. It was happening often, and it was all over the floor. Nasty. Food and drink. Chilies. Love them. Can't talk about Sri Lankan cuisine without chilies. The, 
the food is hot. There's no way to get around this. It, they put chilies in everything. Chilies in a breakfast, chilies in a lunch, chilies in a coffee. You drink a beer, somebody's going to put a chili in it. Really? Do they? It's spicy. I've already drank habanero pepper vodka. It doesn't, it's not nice. It's like you drink it and then there's the burning of the vodka, like the shot. But there's also the burning of the fucking habanero. It's like double burn. And and, and that's what they like. It's, I guess they just had too many of them to go around. They need to get rid of them. But, you know, the reason I'm bringing this up is because Sri Lanka has so many spices, herbs, different ways of flavoring food that it kind of works. They kind of get away with it. You know, traditionally, they were like the stopping point for the for the boats carrying the food, the spices between India and the food from China and the rest of Southeast Asia. And as a as a result of this, they kind of got a mixture of everything. You know, they use chilies. They also use lemongrass, coconut. They use whatever goes in Chinese five spice mix. I don't know. I'm not a chef, <laughs> but it, but it, but it's a combination of of different Southeast Asian cuisines. It's a plethora. They've got a plethora of spices. Exactly. Jesus. Did somebody <laughs> say dictionary in here? Is that your first language? And yeah, as as such, it, they they kind of get away with it because the chili doesn't become overpowering. And for this, I really enjoyed the curries there much more than I did, again, to go back to India, much more than I did in India. They get away with putting chilies in breakfast, you know. I mean, I'm I'm a scrambled and eggs ba and bacon kind of guy for, for breakfast. So I'd go scrambled eggs, bacon and chili to fit in with the locals. And it would work. Yeah. I'd try, I'd try it. I'd, yeah. I'd give it a go. No, so it was, they, so they do a good job with that as well. They're a lot more focused on on seafood curry, oh. which I like. You know, yeah, a lot of prawns. You know, like, is that, is, what's that, like a shrimp? I don't know, which part of Australia are you from? <laughs> yeah, so a couple of small pink crustaceans. The name depends where you're from. <laughs> Different fish, crab, mussels. You know, they, they, they do some good seafood down there. Wasn't my main focus for breakfast, though, you know, to get away from the chilies for breakfast curries. They do something there called appam, probably a little bit like the temples on the water. Not sure I pronounced that very well, but it's like a uh, coconut pancakes. Okay, pancakes made coconut, you know, flash flash fried, thin little pancakes, and and they're good just to get you up and going for the day. You know, like a light breakfast, and you can get them from everywhere. There's a lot of street sellers just standing there, big pot of boiling hot oil, throw the pancakes in, take them out, boom, you're ready to go. I'm gonna give a bonus point to Sri Lanka as well, yeah, because they serve beef. Oh. You know, you could, yeah, you could get a beef curry. You could get some chili beef. You could go to TGI Fridays and get a beef steak. Mozzarella stick starters, you know, the full, <laughs> full works. Uh, so what's the loophole that they can and India can't? Uh, I, I guess the loophole has been to do with the, the diversity of different religions. They've got larger portions of the different major religions and they've kind of had to be more flexible with it. Okay, that's interesting. So do you think Indians would like... If ever they're like dying for a steak, they'll just like go on vacation in Sri Lanka. Yeah, they pro they they probably sneak down, you know, <laughs> with their glasses and the mustache at the airport, so nobody knows they've uh, they're running off for the weekend. Because man, after we'd been there for a, for a little bit of time, we were dying for a steak, so it was great that Sri Lanka could deliver that. That's good to know for travelers, right? Like if you're like dying for a steak, just take a detour to Sri Lanka. Yeah, of course. Like, I, I know we're in the we're in the vegetarian vegan era. People are very cautious about this kind of stuff. But uh, you know, for those of us that still do like a steak, it's good to know. Moving more to the to the drink side of things, Sri Lanka was an absolute sleeper in terms of alcoholic beverages. I did not expect it to deliver what it did. 
The, the the national beer is called Lion. Strong name. Strong name. Strong animal. What else do you want? Exactly. You just want to look at a logo and a name, don't you, when you're drinking a beer? What, what's the one from India? Uh, Kingfisher. Yeah, Kingfisher, Lion. I'm going Lion. Yeah, I've never even tried either. Lion's going to eat a Kingfisher every day, isn't it? If they have a fight, it's pretty simple. But no, man, it was good, refreshing. You know, it had some some character to it. Yeah, so we used to frequent this bar up in Colombo called the Tap House, and you could you could get a tower, two liter tower of lion, and it was like four euros or something like this. It was such wow. a good price. And imagine walking around the bar with a tower. You feel like the don. You feel like the the boss of the place. You can imagine these two the, these two Western tourists walking around with a tower in each arm as if they don't know what to do with it. And I tell you, you know, the, the Tap House was it was a was a good place to be. Because you'd meet a lot of locals there. It was, you know, the reason I brought up Colombo and Sri Lanka as a, as a good night out. Because you could meet other people there that wanted to, to party. You know, we'd end up in private parties. We'd end up in karaoke bars. We'd end up in different nightclubs. Like, it, it led, it, it was the birthplace of so many good nights out. And Lion was always what we were drinking there. Where would you rank Sri Lankans in terms of karaoke skills? Oh, um... Somewhere in the top 12. Yeah, like, I, I, I'd i be honest, there was a few of them, they could bail out a, a pretty good ballad. But when me and Ricky got on and we did Wham, Wake Me Up Before You Go, we bought the house down. <laughs> They'd never seen anything like it. You got like a record deal from this trip. <laughs> and uh, as well as good beer, the other thing they did well is the local spirit. Okay, everybody does their local spirit well in theory. But there it's called Arak. It's uh, like the country? <laughs> Close enough. Spelt with an A. It's uh, it's fermented coconuts. As you guess, you know they they do a lot with coconuts. Coconuts are a big part of coconuts are a big part of life there, and it's it's not like local liquor that you feel like oh Jesus, this is going to make me go blind. This is going to put hairs on my chest. You know, th this had a bit of character, had a bit of taste to it. Even whether it was bought from the shop or bought from somebody that was making it in their bathtub, it was generally still pretty good quality, pretty tasty, full of flavor. Did you taste the coconut? No, man, you couldn't taste much past the burning. <laughs> but I like the idea that it had pa coconut Past the it. bathtub. <laughs> yeah, so a little anecdote for you. When we were in Candy, it was a day of poya, which for religious reasons is a day you can't really get any booze. Uh, oh, sorry, you can't get any booze. It's, it's against the law to sell it, you know. For as open as Sri Lanka can be, that's the day when everything goes straight by the rules. There's no messing around on this day. It's about religion and nothing else. We said to the guy who ran our, who ran our guest house, you know, because this was 2014. It was the start of the World Cup. I said to him, it's the first game tonight. There's no way we can't drink with this game on. What can we do? Gave us this address, yeah, of a buddy of his that makes Arak in his bathtub. He's like, I think he can get you a bottle, even on Poya. So we followed this address. We ended up going upstairs of a, like a little, Jesus, I mean, it was hardly even the entrance to a building. It was tiny, this place. Walked through a dark alleyway even just to get there. Like, we were a little bit on edge. Go up, and okay, there's two pool tables. No one using any of them. There's four old guys sitting in the corner playing a game of cards. All of them are smoking cigarettes. Like, it didn't look like we'd be Sketchy. welcome there. Sketchy, yeah. So, guy looks at us. Don't think he's ever seen a tourist before in his life. I'm like... Hello, one Arak, please. I want, I need one Arak. <laughs> and I think, again, the pronunciation took him a minute. He was like, Arak, Arak. Iraq? No, Arak. Arak. This, guy, this guy's from Iraq? Yeah. <laughs> Let me see your passport. So the guy got that we meant Iraq, yeah? And he goes, one moment. He's not said anything to us other than that, so we don't really know what he's going to do. Goes out to the back, comes out, unmarked bottle, puts it inside a brown bag, one Iraq. <laughs> okay. Man, the guy asked for like two euros for the bottle. Jeez, what else are we going to do? Like, this is our option. If we want to drink tonight, we're having this Arak. 
So we give them the two euros or whatever it is, take it away. And like I said, it didn't make us go blind. Oh. Didn't kill us. We drank it and it was great. And it was good to get a buzz on for the game. Do you remember who won? I think Brazil beat Croatia. This was the 2014 World Cup. But to be honest, the only thing I remember is that I lost my bet and that I was hung over the next day. So you know Iraq is good. If you're in Sri Lanka, folks, try the Iraq. Yeah, and don't be scared of the bathtub stuff. It's the best. Hey, are you interested in getting exclusive behind-the-scenes content from our travels, early access to our episodes, or just want to grab two beers with the boys? With the boys! Then head on over to patreon.com slash two beers till takeoff. Link in our Instagram bio. Get subscribing. With the boys! Story time. So, Phil, you want to hear a story? I would love to. So I'm over in Colombo, yeah? Sri Lanka, in case anybody didn't get it. Over there with uh, with Ricky. Our Sri Lanka trip so far, it's been as unorganized as you can expect from me and anyone that travels with me. It's not a trait that we have <laughs> to uh, plan things through. We've only got a couple of days left because we didn't just miss a flight over here. We missed two flights. I mean, this is a story for another day, but we really fucked That's it. pretty typical. <laughs> I mean, I think one maybe <laughs> is typical. I think two was over the top, but anyway... So we, we already caused ourselves trouble. And then Ricky got sick to the point where like, this is one of my best buddies. And I was thinking like, if I just give this kid like six cartons of orange juice and a pack of toilet roll, can I leave him here and go off and do my thing and come back and pick him up another day? Like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't really entertain this idea because it was a bad idea from the start. But I, it was at that point where we were running out of time. I was thinking maybe this is something I need to do. Because Sri Lanka is not somewhere you visit by accident. Like it's an island in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, it's it's not like, uh, you know, intercontinental uh, country in Europe where, you know, it's like a hub city that you're going to be back. It's not a Frankfurt, it's not a Paris, that type of thing, right? Exactly. You, you visit there on purpose. And as much as I love Sri Lanka, I wasn't sure we were going to be back anytime soon. And I had Gao up there as one of the, my top things I want to do on this whole trip. It, I, I'm not a history buff by any means, but I'm interested in kind of like, um, not so much military naval bases, but forts, you know, locations of historic international invasions. That for me is fascinating stuff. Yeah, because it's pretty familiar in the family. <laughs> <laughs> we've done a couple we've done a couple <laughs> on top of that it's one of the longest stretches of uninterrupted water between southern Sri Lanka and Antarctica like it's a fantastically long piece of water that you it's just a spiritual place to be by that logic yeah I, I imagine you can only like look out and like past the water and you can't even you can only see for days right exactly exactly i mean you could be on a boat for days and you could still see for days after the stretch of water is so yeah, long it's true it's crazy i mean on a on a clear day in theory you can see whales the animal not the country obviously <laughs> so I, I'm fucking determined to get down there. Even once Ricky's recovered from the illness, we've got the additional problem. This is World Cup time. This is 2014, and there's no way we're going to miss an England game. Like, if there's one thing I love more than traveling, it's the World Cup. England are playing Italy on the 14th of June, so we can't travel on that night because we have to watch this game. 15th of June, that's when we're going up. Let's go speak to the guy in the hostel. Like, look, we're checking out. Hostel, hotel, it kind of was, you know. Look, we're checking out. It's been a lovely stay. We're going down south. And he goes, guys, there's a bit of unrest down south. There's a bit of fighting, you know. And we're feeling like, all right, like, fighting, no problem. Like, fuck my life. I'll fight Ricky if you need me to. Like, I'm not bothered about <laughs> into a few boxing matches, you know. 
So we go up to the train station, being like, oh, we're going to get a bit of grub before we get on the train. We're we're only across the Palk Strait from India. Like, the, the, that was supposed to be our original route. I mean, the, again, this is for another episode. But, like, I assume these breads that got bought to us in this restaurant were called naan breads. They were big, thick, fluffy pieces of bread. I mean, we'd never found a restaurant. There was nothing around the train station except this little cafe. Plastic stores, little plastic table. And fucking tray after tray after tray of naan bread. And you can dip it in any which sauce you want. It sounds like my wet dream. Might have been. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to fill me in on this, but maybe your wet dream, every one of these sauces was made of chilies. Maybe that's just a Sri Lankan <laughs> theme, but, you know, I'd like to know. So we we picked this, you know, for us, it's more like a start to eat a bit of bread with some sauce. But okay, so we jump on a train. This train, it's a clackety old train. You, know. you can hear every rotation off the wheels. The track's never been changed since the day they were laid, you know. There's probably like that old smell in it, like the old trains that you go to like in uh, in some parts of Asia, right? Where you can smell other people's shoes. Pretty much the smell I would give it, yeah. No, it wasn't as bad as that, but... You know, it was an old school train, but the the saving point was that the scenery was absolutely sensational. It was like the tracks were basically along the sand. You could hear the waves, the ocean crashing in. You could see the palm trees. You could see, you know, the color of the beach. There was nothing interrupting the view. It was just perfection. I've never been in a bit of transit as pleasant as that train journey was. That didn't take away from the fact the train was moving about six kilometers an hour. Like this was a slow ass fucking train, which was fine because we were enjoying ourselves. We got lucky with the seats, obviously, with that view. You know, chugging along, chugging along. A couple of hours later, what had been afternoon turns into evening and suddenly it's pitch black and we stop in the middle of nowhere. And there's a lot of commotion about the fact we stop. And I mean, we picked up a rule a few a few stops ago. If the locals are panicking, you have a reason to be worried. If the locals aren't panicking, stay calm. It's normal. Whatever you think of it, fuck it. It's normal. It's a good, it's a good rule of thumb. It's a great rule of thumb. The locals were up in sorts, you know, a lot of them had already left the train, maybe 20, 30% of the train had already left. And we think like, geez, this is really strange. Like we're in the middle of nowhere. You're looking out the window, trying to duck around and stuff. And I could see in the distance, there were some lights as if it looked like a station. And I was like, okay, you know, there's a station up there. And the train guard came through. It'd been about half an hour now we were stuck here. Come through, he shouted something. We had no idea what he was saying. You know, he was talking in Sri Lanka. There wasn't a lot of tourists around. Probably wasn't even that many English speakers around. We definitely not heard any on the train. And we started moving again, but only as far as the station that was a couple of hundred meters up the track. Boom, the brakes go on again. And next thing you know, another 50, 60% of the train, they get off. Man, we were looking at it now like this, wherever we are, we never found out where this was. This little station, this little village, if 50, 60% of the train got off, that would have filled this village. That was more than the population of this village. That was an insane amount of people to get off. They had no reason to get off here. They weren't it was just kind of weird. Exactly. They weren't, all, they weren't all getting onto buses, onto taxis walking somewhere you know some of them were just in and amongst the station but they'd all left the carriage so like, okay we leave the carriage and we start asking around and we're not getting any positive responses not a lot of people speak english but they're like you know you get the idea that things aren't going like you know no is the same in any language isn't it no means no <laughs> yeah so i finally meet this guy who speaks english and he pretty much clears it up for us. And he goes, Look, a couple of kilometers are down the track. It's religious warfare. No. And when the guy said to us fighting earlier in the hotel, we knew he didn't mean like two guys fighting over whose turn it was to pay the bar tab. We knew there was some <laughs> some issue, but but religious warfare. And we're like, 
okay, you want to like expand? You want to tell me a bit more about this? Like, we don't have this in England. At least I don't know if we have this in England. And you guys only have that around like football teams, right? Exactly. And he was, yeah, he was like, yeah, it's football hooligans, but like (laughs) thousands of them in one village with no game happening. He just clarified that like this was a serious issue. Like this was on a, this was a national incident now. This was a, uh, this was a serious thing to be concerned about. The shit was getting real. Yeah, it, it, it was an incident. It was an international, it was, it was a national incident. And we're like, okay, fuck. So what do we do? And he goes like, look, this train could be here from 30 minutes to three hours to a day. Like, like, look, if we end up spending a day on this train, we've got two days left in Sri Lanka. Do you really want to spend one of them in the middle of fucking nowhere, hungry as fuck because we've just eaten this bread with nothing to do sitting on a train? We said to the guy like, look, how do we go south from here? We're trying to get to Gao. And he was like, man, I, mean, he didn't, I don't think he said man. Like, I don't think his English was as smooth as that. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I got the impression, yeah, I got the impression that he was like, dude, like, you know, you don't want to go south. Like you got that, you got that impression from him. And he was like, probably I, don't go that way. Yeah. I, we got the impression that he was saying to go back north. But at the same time, this train was fucking stuck. We weren't going to get another train anyway, because any train to go north would have had to come from south and it would be stuck in the same place that he'd been telling us not to go through. So there was no trains coming through. This was our option. We either fucking charter a taxi or we tough it the way he said. And he turns around and goes, look, there's a little path. You come through the station, go through the little path and you'll get to a road. From the road, you should be able to go south. Look at each other and go, sounds easy, doesn't it? So we go, thank you very much for the information. You're a lovely man. I hope you have a lovely evening. We head off to the path. As soon as you come out the path, what lights there are in the station, it's dimmed. It's already this this little path. Path come road, you know, it's it's too big to be a path, too small to be a road, but it's dark. And we look, it's like, it looks like an abandoned market. Like, I don't want to say it was abandoned because it was probably just used much earlier in the day, but it looked abandoned in the fact that there was no people around. Like it was a lot of stall after stall after stall. But they were like cheap metalwork that was mostly sellotaped together. Some of the more permanent stands, maybe they were welded. But most of this was just fucking sellotape and chipboard. And then you can see the wares, you can see the merchandise. And fuck it, we're packing up at the end of the day, that's it. Like there was, this was not like going shopping in Milan or Paris or London. It was... The other side of the There's state. no luxury, no, no, no extravagance. No. And on top of this, there was just a lot of like rotten fruit on the ground, like just loads and loads of pieces of giant, like jackfruit or watermelon, you know, big pieces of fruit, flies around, garbage bags. Like it was a really smelly, not pleasant place to be. It was a smelly little path, to be honest. The thing is, this wasn't even the problem. The problem was there was about eight, maybe more cows on this road. Me and Ricky, we're not the best to deal with wildlife anyway. We're not naturally good with this kind of thing. We're not the two kind of people you'd want to take into the wilderness. <laughs> and these cows were huge. They were bigger than some of the elephants we'd been riding the week before. <laughs> and I already had an irrational fear of cows. Like when I was a child, like, you know, we're talking like back when I was like, you know, in my younger years living in England, going through a countryside walk and there's no wild cows there. They're farmer's cows. But man, this farmer's cow just chased me out of nowhere. And we'd have to jump over this fence to get away from it, like this little rickety old gate fence. And I'd only missed a cow by a couple of seconds. I don't know what a cow would do. Would it headbutt me? Would it stand on its hind legs and throw a couple of punches? I don't know what a cow does. Shoot some milk? Yeah, shoot some milk. I don't know. But I like ever (laughs) since then, 
I've not been like comfortable around cows. We 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 made this look like a spy movie, man. I had my back to the wall. Ricky was doing a couple army rolls under the plywood. I was doing a couple big jumps over the metal frame, like anything to get the distance away from the cows. Just didn't want to be fucking with the cows at this point. Got to this end of this little pathway and we'd survive. Like, fortunately, these cows, they've not attacked us at least yet. And we see there's some lights in the distance. You know, I don't know if they're a hotel or a restaurant, a 24-hour shop. Can't really work it out. But what we know is one or two cars have gone past. We've heard a couple of cars. This is at least a road people are traveling on. Don't know where the fuck this bus is coming from. Can't see any taxis. We get lucky, though. We do meet a guy. He speaks a bit of English. Well... Say he speaks a bit of English. We tell him the problem. He doesn't respond. But what he does say is, run, 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 run. <laughs> I don't know if these cows are trying to attack us, if he knows about these fucking dangerous cows, or if the fucking the guys cow. are throwing grenades from the warfare, or what the fuck is going on at this point? Like, we're like, right, we run with this guy. And I tell you, Ricky's a big guy. Man, he's nifty on his feet. I never knew that until this day. He's like a linebacker. He's like a linebacker, man. Like, this guy was sprinting, yeah, fast. And we kept up with him. And this guy must have known the timetables. Like, this was on the German efficiency. When the bus pulls up alongside us, he's banging on the window, man. I mean, one, we never would have caught this because we would have gone the wrong way. Two, we never would have fought to run. If it wasn't for this guy, there was no way we were catching this bus. From the sounds of yeah, it, it doesn't sound like window. a place that has hourly buses. No, man, this wasn't even a bus stop. This was a lamppost we stopped next to. <laughs> man, so he gets on the bus. The bus is pretty busy. There's a lot of people on there, a couple of seats at the back. Me and Ricky get on. We paid a guy the 40 cents or whatever it was. This, this has been a great day for how difficult it was. I think the breads had cost us fucking 50 cents. The train was a euro and this was 40 cents. So we went on board with budget at this point. And we're thinking, like, it's much better to be heading into this supposedly dangerous fighting than trying to sit there and deal with the these potentially horrific man-eating cows. <laughs> couple of kilometers was what the guy at the station had warned us about. That's where the fighting is, a couple of kilometers. And boom, you hear it. It's completely unmistakable. What? It's a gunshot. Completely unmistakable. Like, where, like how, how close like a, was it to the to the bus? Like, close enough that we thought it might, like, it didn't make an impact sound, so we knew it hadn't hit the bus, but it was close enough that we thought it might have done. That's fucked. Like, I, I, I was in the woods a couple of weeks before this trip, actually, with your with your old man. In Canada. He rifles at beer cans. Yeah, Canada. <laughs> so, so like, this, the sound was unmistakable. Wow, that's crazy. And, and the bus had obviously come to a stop at this point, and then, boom, you heard it again. <laughs> heard it go past you, and, and we were like... Fuck. And the thing is, like, as he said to you, like, we don't panic unless the locals panic. We try not to because that was the rule we'd made. Man, the locals jumped up and then they probably realized, like, fuck, the windows won't protect us. They jumped down. <laughs> fuck. Fuck, man. Glass not going to protect you. Metal mic, glass won't. And at that point, we ducked on the bottom. Like, people were laying on top of each other. Like, Jesus. it was bedlam in there. It was chaos, man. These these two bullet shots. Had how many how many shots in total were they? We, we we heard two. We heard two, for sure. And the two uh, shots, did it sound like it was two different guns shooting at each other or two from the same gun? No, I, I believe it was two from the right side of us, both from the same caliber gun. So the bus driver, I don't know if he'd seen this before, if this was his regular Tuesday afternoon shift or what. But he was just like, I'm going to keep going. I don't know, maybe he had a cricket match to watch or the wife <laughs> had made a lot of lasagna or something. But, man, he was not... <laughs> He was not missing whatever was going on there. He was just like, fuck this. I'm driving south and I'm driving through this. And he starts up the bus again and we're going through now. And you you, you can't see a lot. Like, how were people reacting to this? Like, 
the guy started driving in, like, did people like get up from like when they were laying on the ground or like how did people stay on the ground? People got up kind of as far as the windows to look, but not really people were sitting on their seats or anything. People were kind of curious browsing. But remaining but low. they weren't comfortable remaining low because this was a dangerous situation. It's going through a war zone. Yeah, this was, this was now, you know, it was not a civil war, but it was the point where people were generally in danger. You know, we read about this the next day. 70 shops in that village area were burned down. What? That's crazy. I, as and when we got up, and I mean, I'll go more into this in a second. As and when we got up, we couldn't really see the fight, but you could hear shouting, screaming. You could hear loud noises, loud banging. You could hear metal on metal. Jeez. Was that more gunshots? Was that bullets going through things? You didn't really know what it was, but you knew there was, I mean, drama is an understatement. I mean, you, you know, people's lives are at stake either side of this bus. On the little side roads coming off of this bus, off of this road we are going down. That's terrible. What was happening was was the kind of thing the UN get involved in. It was, yes. it was almost beyond belief in a way. And yet this bus driver carried on, keen to get home to his lasagna. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to upset the wife, do you? You know as well as me, the last thing you do is upset the wife. Fuck, I take a bullet in the knee before I upset the wife. <laughs> is lasagna big in Sri Lanka? Maybe for this guy. I don't know about the others, but I think <laughs> this guy liked it, yeah. Man. So we go in and, you know, you get another half an hour. You've not heard many screams for a while or anything. People are now sitting back on their seats. Feels like a regular journey almost. And the bus driver gets up, bus is stopped. You can see a little cafe to our left. There's some lights on, a little bit of civilization. We've not seen a lot of lights in the last four or five hours, so it's lovely to see some lights. And he gets up, says something in Sri Lankan, and then says, Gao. And we're like, fuck, we've made it to Gao. <laughs> like... All of this effort just to go to somewhere that for most travelers really would be quite like, you know, when you think of Southeast Asia, what do you think? You think Delhi, you think Bangkok, you think Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam, you think yeah. Angkor Wat. Yeah. Not a lot of people think Gao. Gao was one of the top of the list from like, I don't know, it had a personal stronghold. I was determined for this. And Ricky just looked at me like, fuck Sid, we've done it. It was like a, a moment where you're like, we, we've we've won. Like, we've gone through so much adversity, we've won. Well, we thought we'd already won, but the night didn't finish there. What separates Gao Fort from Gao City is just a couple of small footpaths. Inside the walls of Gao Fort, it's a kind of a bit like Dubrovnik, but less commercialized. I guess, I, you know, I can guarantee that, but it, 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 it kind of holds more true to its fort basis. But you kind of sleep inside the fort walls. You've only got these couple of small walkways to get in. So would Gao see a lot less tourists than Dubrovnik? Like would they ever close in their high season? Not much less, man. It's, you know, it's not less. It's not like you're going to go up to a wall and you're going to see like 25 people queuing up to take a picture of a brick that was in Game of Thrones. It doesn't happen in Gao. <laughs> you do get some tourists, but not like that, yeah? What we didn't realize was just before you get from Gao City to Gao Fort, which is not even attached to the peninsula of Sri Lanka, which is obviously the reasons it was attractive to me, was you have this big field, which was actually Gao International Cricket Stadium. But because of the World Cup, they'd taken away all of the stands and you never would have known the difference. It just looked like a field that was fenced off. But obviously because of the World Cup, they put a big five, six meter TV in it and they were showing Switzerland Ecuador. Had about half an hour, 40 minutes left. And we're like, Should we watch this? <laughs> Yeah, they sit down and watch we've, we've we've almost almost just died. Let's let's not watch some soccer. <laughs> you could die any day. The World Cup's once every four years. So we were, yeah, there's still <laughs> there was only us and one other Sri Lankan couple sitting in there. We thought, oh, are we going to spend half an hour, forty minutes watching Switzerland Ecuador right now? Because 
Why not? Well, you just survived and it doesn't sound like anybody's getting killed up here. So Switzerland score a 93rd minute winner. Game's not quite over yet, but we're kind of getting up to go for one solid reason. The only other people in this field are us and the Sri Lankan couple. In the whole cricket stadium, it's only you two? You're you four? Us four, that's right. They've cleared out an international stadium for four people. (laughs) Wow. And yet, out the corner of our eye, we see a pack of dogs. Four or five dogs, and they look hungry as fuck, and they're coming right into the middle of the cricket field. And you know for a fact they're not going for the Sri Lankan couple. They're going straight for us. Going for the fresh meat. Exactly. They can smell us by our swim trunks or something like that. They know who to look for. But one thing that, like, if, if you'd have been like, oh, yeah, I feel like, so I was in Sri Lanka and I got attacked by these wild, and I would have completed the sentence, I would have been like, tigers, elephants. But instead on this story, you've been attacked by livestock and dogs. <laughs> yeah, man, farm, far, farmyard animals and domestic pets are my biggest rivals. <laughs> like, give me in the square with a fucking with a crocodile or a bear and I, I'd probably find a way to get out. Get me in with like a cat or a chicken like a hamster. I'm in trouble, you know. Yeah, hamster uh, man, fuck, I'm running around a wheel myself. <laughs> but anyway, we back out of the field. We managed to get away before they get close enough to us for it to be a problem. Go along the path into Gal Fort and that half an hour, that half of football, it's really cost us because every light that was on when we, when we arrived, it's now off the whole Four is pitch black. Every road, every shop, every what possibly could have been a hotel, it's closed. There's nothing going on. So, like, once game ends, what what time are we looking at? Like, oh, it's early hours of the morning now. You know, I mean, it's been pitch black and dark for a while. These are not the type of people that stay out for a long time. Sri Lankans are sort of early to bed, early to rise kind of people, I'd say, as a whole. And I mean, this is, uh, to hazard a guess, this is two o'clock in the morning. We get to the one kind of hostel hotel we knew about from the guidebook. Whoever was buying these places from the fort originally, they got big plots of land. Like, this place is huge. They're knocking on the gate, nothing. Knock on the gate again, still nothing. I mean, there's no light on, so we're not really sure what's going on here. I mean, you know when you, like, check into, like, the Hilton or the Marriott, you, you get, like, a big fucking sign, like, welcome to the Hilton. Welcome to the Marriott. So we go in through the gate, get up to the front door. I said to Ricky, look, I'm going to try this again. Bang on, nothing for 30 seconds. I said to him, look, let me try the front door. Opens. Look, back away for a second. Let me know if anyone comes. You know, we don't know what is going to happen from here, but what are our options? Look at the night we've had. What are our options if we don't find somewhere to stay? Now, you don't want to be on the street at this point. No, exactly. It opens. A little bit of a light comes through. And you can, and you, and you can see some shoes, actually, in the in the front. Maybe like six, seven pairs. You can see some girls' shoes, some men's shoes. I mean, maybe people are staying here, you know? So I open the door. No, it's not kind of any reception. It's like a living room. You know, so I start to go up the stairs, these creaky old wooden stairs, and I step up to the top of them, get into the landing, and suddenly it's not a wooden floorboard. I can feel that. What I feel is something different. It's squidgy almost. I hear a, oh! <laughs> what I stepped on was not a wooden floorboard, not a stair. It was an old man. <laughs> stepped on an old man. <laughs> you just stomped on an old guy. <laughs> And I stomped on an old guy and I hear, you know, and he gets up and turns on a light in the landing. And like, the way that, like, this is like a religious, very conservative kind of culture. The guy's just got a towel wrapped around his waist. Like, that's what he's wearing. And he's sleeping in the hall of the middle of the unlock of an unlocked building. What are you doing walking on religious folks, man? I, I don't know. I'm probably not going to heaven for this. <laughs> am I? But, so, I, so I stepped on this guy and I'm like, 
shit, man. Like, I'm really sorry. And he's still grunting at me or speaking Sri Lankan. I don't know. <laughs> like, my Sri Lankan's really poor. I don't know what he was saying. Might have been offering me a beer. I don't know. <laughs> you want a cold one, bro? No, but I don't think it was that. <laughs> you know, he's grunting, you know, and I'm like, fuck, man, this old guy, man, he's scaring me a little bit now. Like, it, given the situation, given the night that we were a little bit on edge, I'm like, fuck. So I back down the stairs and I'm like, Ricky, Ricky, go, go. He's like, what? Get out of here, Ricky. Go, go, go. And so we run, we leave behind the gate. We're edging up the street a little bit. We get towards the next building and I can see the guy in the towel now. And here is this old guy wrapped in this towel, standing by this gate, kind of still grunting, shouting. And he's on the phone and we're trying to go up the road. And what I see is this tiny little plaque. Must have only been a few inches by a few inches. And it was like uh, Gal for International Tourist Hotel Free Stars or something like that. It was the tiniest little plaque to this generic hotel name. And we were like, shit, ring the doorbell, ring the doorbell. And we hear noise, not like fucking noises that we'd heard throughout there. Like we hear noise like people are getting up. Some guy opens the door. And this guy's, th this place is quite like luxurious looking. You know, the driveway is really long. The guy comes out. Yeah, the guy comes out and we see him like in a, in a shirt and trousers. And we're like, fuck. But as he's walking up the driveway, you know, he's got such a long walk that we shout like, hello, hello. Have you got a room we can stay in? Do you speak English? Do you know what we're saying? And he's like, yes, no problem. Come to my hotel, no problem. Way to lose your bartering edge. My bartering edge was like, fucking give me a room, I give you my wallet. <laughs> like there was no barring at this point. That was a good hat. But I mean, the time it took the guy to get up this driveway, we hear this moped coming, you know, like a fucking hairdryer. And this guy, yeah, this guy, yeah, respect to him because he was wearing a helmet. Like, got to take safety first, you know, got to take precautions. Wearing a helmet. But other than that, again, didn't care about the conservative culture or anything. Showing up in fucking boxer shorts. He's got nothing on except boxer shorts. <laughs> None of these big baggy pairs you probably buy from the supermarket, like fucking four pairs for five euros. I thought you said it was a conservative culture. What the hell? Yeah, I thought it was, but apparently this was a fucking nudist for or something. <laughs> So, so this guy gets off and we're like, right, what the fuck? Like, Because we never called some guy in a moment. We never called anybody. But obviously, who did call somebody? The guy in the towel. And he goes like, hey, you guys. Like, yeah? He's like, what are you doing here? What do you want? I'm like, I, I'd like a bed. Like, I'm trying to find somewhere to sleep. Like, to not get <laughs> killed. three in the morning? Yeah, it's three in the morning. I'd like to sleep and see the fort tomorrow. And he's like, oh, shit. Welcome. Welcome to Gal. <laughs> I thought you guys were burglars. The guy told me you were trying to break into my place. Uh, we were like, what? Man, we just want somewhere to stay. Like, we, we never tried to break in anywhere. I just want a bed. And the guy was like, oh, no problem. We have so many beds. So nice hotel. And we're like, like, the guy at this point had opened the gate. We've already negotiated with this guy to go stay at his place. Like, I appreciate that you've shown up without putting your pajamas on. I understand your buddy's been woken up whilst he's been sleeping. This top, the A-grade security guard. Yeah, it's pretty good security guard. But like we go, yeah. but like we're going with this guy now. I mean, like the hotel was clutch. It was, um, it was really classy. It was just what we, like we would have slept fucking anywhere at that point, but we just needed somewhere. I'm glad we did because God knows what would have happened if we'd have stayed outside that night. Like I don't think the town was dangerous, but who knows how far down the fighting got. So we spoke to some guys the next morning and it turns out the extent of this was kind of as big as we could have feared. Like the reports were that 12 people had died. Wow. More than 90 people had been injured. What? And more than 70 
and more than 70 shops had been burnt out. And this is just within the village that we'd crossed, what? this village area. Man, this kind of, this Muslim-Buddhist religious rivalry has apparently been a big issue since 2012, a big political movement. But this was the biggest and most severe night of the fighting between the two. That's crazy. But the repercussions of it were massive, obviously. Like, there's a Wiki there's even a Wikipedia page just on this night now. The Wikipedia really? page, if you look at it, it says at yeah, it says at least four dead. What we were told was more than that. And obviously Wikipedia says at least. So I'm still going with it was twelve. What was the what was what the date again? Just so that our people uh, that are right. listening that can go check it out. Fourteen uh, 15th of June 2014. Okay, cool. That's that's crazy. Like that you you kind of went through one of the the crazier times to ever be in Sri Lanka, like in, in modern times anyway, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So, th so this became kind of the, the statement night of the era for this for this movement. And it was crazy not just to be there at that point. It was crazy to be in the village area at that point. Like really a, a, anything could have happened to us, you know, Molotov cocktails, Gunshots, bullets yeah. flying around. We survived it. We got through. We did our bit of our trip. I got to see Gal as I'd always dreamt of seeing. And we managed to get back without getting scarred. Thank you for listening to Two Beers Till Takeoff. Do you want free additional content or just to stay connected with the show? Then give us a follow on our social media platform. That means TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. Are you in need of podcast production services, video editing, or anything in between? Then look no further than Strut Sound Productions, the official producer of the Two Beers Still Takeoff podcast. Music produced by Alex Gagne. Check out his work in our show notes. Voiceover done by Viking Leo K. See you next week on Two Beers Still Takeoff.